Greetings and welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Brent Adams, joined by a man who has also had the experience of entering a seedy motel room and discovering his wife looking at something he really doesn't want her to see. Mr. Lauren Baumgarten. Lauren! What's up, Brent Adams? What's up, man? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. What? Uh, why are you talking about my wife, man? Why, indeed, would I be talking about your wife in seedy motel rooms and things that she shouldn't be looking at? And the answer to this is the most epic thing human beings have ever created, otherwise known as Uncharted 4. Uh, we'll be talking about this most epic thing ever created by human beings in just a little bit. But before we get to that, hi, we're back. Hope you made it through the two weeks okay. Sorry to leave I you know. hanging. The vacation was necessary. If it makes any of you feel any better, in the middle of the week, during this vacation time I was away, my daughter began walking and has been walking ever since. So, you understand that I needed an entire week off for this event to occur and uh, and thank you very much to everybody who's uh, who sent well wishes and everything on Facebook and so forth. Uh, appreciate all of that. Now then, Lauren, yes, sir. Why is Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain full E3 2015 gameplay demo, which runs forty minutes and change, the first item in our document this week? Because reasons. Listen, that's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. Uh, because, man, oh, man, oh, man, uh, within the word reasons, that explanation encapsulates such things as fully customizable weapons, a inflatable balloon extraction system that can be used on everything. I mean, we knew... <laughs> on literally everything. We knew it could be used on donkeys. We knew that it could be used on sheep. But this video really, really shows off how they intend for that to be used. And obviously, it's a couple weeks old now, so I'm sure this is sort of old news to everybody. But this is the first time we've really had to sit down and talk about it. And man, it got my attention for this game in a big way. I mean, to see where this game is and where the Metal Gear franchise has been and where we are now, the open world gameplay, the strategy, the... The infrastructure that you have available to you as Snake and, and, and this army that you're heading up, uh, man, I cannot wait to play this game. This looks so compelling. It looks incredible, man. I mean, it really does. Uh, it just looks freaking incredible. I mean, yeah. uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, I, 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 so we got a lot deeper look. I highly recommend you guys watch this. You got, we got a lot deeper look into the, I forget what it's called right now, but the, um, the, the home base, the helicopter, the moving oh, yeah, base. Yeah, yeah, like, like the, the, mobile, the mobile command center. Yes, we got to see. Uh, so I haven't watched a ton on this. I, I've kind of purposefully not been like, I don't seek out information yeah. on this. And so uh, I wasn't aware that you could switch out uh, your sidekicks. 
yeah, uh, with just like with such that. with such ease. Yes, right. Yes. From they they showed a dog uh, as a sidekick. Uh, they showed some hot chick sniper as a sidekick. I can't wait to see the moment where you send the hot chick sniper back to the mobile command center by using atta- the parachute by attaching her to <laughs> the Fulton a, the Fulton balloon system. That yes. that should be interesting. Like yes. what I want to know is like how detailed can you get? Can you attach it to her leg as a gag? It's like oh uh, what are you doing down there? <laughs> oh it looks like so. your shoes are tied. Listen, I'm done with you now. Bye. I don't think I don't think so. I don't think it's that specific. Come on. Um, the uh, well, I, I don't remember what it's called, but the the, the two legged uh, Adam. Oh yeah, scout. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like what was his name? Didi something or um, it was Didi for everything's Didi. I think for Diamond Dog. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah. that was really cool to see how that system work. Uh, utilizing vehicles, it was really dope to watch how it looked. The graphics look, you know, oh, freaking amazing. incredible. Um, the dynamic weather system. The- I'm curious, Brent. Like you watch that, I'm curious what you think about um, it. Feel again. I'm not a. I haven't been historically a big Metal Gear player. I really mm-hmm. Metal Gear Four was the first. I've, I've dabbled in two and three, but yeah. uh, Metal Gear Four was the first one I really played. And this one feels like I, I, I almost like I, I almost feel like it's uh, a Metal Gear Redemption. You know, or, or yeah, uh, uh, it, it feels way more like open and you and you've got all and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in the clubhouse but it feels like it's set up more like a red dead redemption with optional side missions in this open yeah. world and yeah. how do you feel about that as a, as a hardcore metal gear player i mean it feels like it's very different than say metal gear 2 it is metal it, gear 3 it's very different which in my book is a great thing uh but uh I, and and that's not just sort of an underhanded uh slap in the face to those games but um i i simply mean that I love the idea that the series is doing something profoundly different. I'm a huge fan of open world games and the freedom that they afford you, the 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 open-ended nature of gameplay, the ability to do things when and how you choose to. I love those gameplay mechanics and the fact that they're coming to a Metal Gear game is very, very exciting to me. And I loved seeing that dynamic on display here where you see you can travel around the world pick your own objectives and then within the confines of you know this building or or whatever that you might be entering in order to extract a hostage as an example stealth gameplay is still alive and well in metal gear and i i'm all about that because i love having that core mechanic but i also love everything else that uh, is around it here in the phantom pain how did you feel brent about the cassette tapes you know i actually hate 80s music for the most part or, or at least the kind of 80s music like the that, pop music yeah like, like yeah. popular music in the 80s i hated it at the time i hate it now uh, duran duran yeah, the uh, foreigner I, journey I, I mean i've just I, like i've always been a metalhead and i'll always be a metalhead and that kind of music just does not do anything for me i i get the appeal of it i get the kind of the, the cute kitschy factor it represents and the fact that it does kind of subtly remind you at all times that this is a period game uh, I'm just like I'm not going to dig into three sub menus to start and stop kitschy '80s pop music while I'm, you know, playing this game. As, <laughs> right. If I find a fucking tape, a Flight of the Valkyries in that game, bet your ass I found the only helicopter music I will ever need. I think it is in that game. I think wasn't Flight of the Valkyries in one of the demos? It was yeah, maybe it was. Maybe that was the music that was playing in uh, in Ground Zeroes. I think I, I kind of think that it was. I can't remember now, but maybe yeah, it was. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, as long as I get that tape, I'm done. Like I don't need any other fucking tapes. Yeah, uh, I, I, and I'll I be highly... out there on the desert, like ripping my shirt off. You think I'm afraid to surf this beach? I'll surf this beach. <laughs> you know, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, man. I, I was. I was. 
we're going to, again, we're going to talk about this a little bit. I, I, I do have The Witcher 3 on the list this week, but uh, I didn't play it a ton, so I won't be talking too much about it. But, but that, the setup of a Red Dead Redemption style uh, is so compelling, and it kind of felt like that to me. And yeah. in the Metal Gear world, with uh, I just was blown away by what I saw. And I, I highly, you guys can watch this like uh, essentially free of spoilers. Like I said, they show off a couple of uh, mechanics. They show off a couple of the weapons. They show off a couple of your sidekicks. Yeah. But from a story standpoint, there's no spoilers whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and so I, I highly recommend... Uh, checking out this demo if you're at all interested it was it was it was dope yep uh this this is probably going to be the last metal gear game for for a while i would think i thought you were going to say for hideo kojima (laughs) probably brent very insightful uh (laughs) but i i don't know i mean i could be wrong i mean they may go assassin's creed with it and just like dive back in with both feet it's hard to say they might but my i don't know my feeling is that you know it's going to have a break after this and they're going to kind of figure out what to do with it next because it'll have to be such a different thing minus kojima and all that but uh I, I find myself exceedingly excited about the Metal Gear franchise all over again after, you know, feeling a little bit cut off from it for a while. Yeah, and it's September 5th. It's not that far I away. Know, it's right here. It's, I mean, it's, yep. it's like two months. Yes. Um, we have the Uncharted for A Thief's End E3 2015 Sam Pursuit gameplay video, which is the demo shown off on stage during Sony's Blockbuster E3 press conference, plus the part that we didn't get to see, which follows after it. And what follows after it is the greatest entertainment experience mankind has conceived of to this point in time. I'm telling you that generations of children, including my child and yours, will go, what the fuck is the convoy sequence from Raiders of the Lost Ark next to the Sam Pursuit gameplay from Uncharted 4 Thieves in? My God! My God! The action and adventure! I could smell it through my entire body! And it smelled good! <laughs> if only you guys could see Brent right now. Uh, I, you know, fuck you, Naughty Dog. Really, just fuck you for putting this out, for delaying the game, and then putting this out. Oh my god! That really, it, it really is just absolute bullshit. Uh, it's tough, man. It's fucking tough. It's it's hard to be mad at them, though. I mean, like, like honestly, like Naughty Dog is like. Naughty Dog is like, you are dating the hottest woman alive, and she is completely wrong for you. you. Like, you don't like any of the same things, opposite tastes in music, in movies, life goals, job careers, all that. But you cannot stay away because of the hotness. And that's what a Charter 4 is. A Charter 4 is the hotness. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely the, ridiculous. You thought that sequence they showed at the, pre- at, at the press conference was off the hook. You're like, oh, my God, it's so exciting. And it was. And then they come along and they're like, slap! You know nothing about exciting! 
this is exciting. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm overdoing this, but man, I'm telling you, what follows that sequence, the the bit where he's getting dragged behind the truck and he's having to pick guys off with the handgun, fighting his way up the column of vehicles, taking out the guys on the motorcycles, jumping car to car, followed by that ridiculous that re, you know that ridiculous accident he gets into with the truck, the truck of doom, which you know like it's driving by, it's like. <laughs> Just like Darth Vader, because it's so ominous and evil and scary, and and that you know he like comes out of the car like you know on his back just black 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 trying to pick off guys with the handgun. It was awesome. And then at the very end, they gave us just a little bit of a hint about the story. Some pirate island somewhere where they created uh, some sort of uh, communist utopia. They pooled all their resources and shared equally. And presumably, Drake and company are going to get it. I was so angry about the uh, about the uh, the fucking delay, and now all I can be is desperate. I'm desperate. I'm a broken man. Yes. Take me back, please. I know. I just I just want to see more. And you know what's more, Brent? I mean, don't forget about the demo we saw. Uh, earlier uh, where Nathan's like fighting around in that sort of open area mm-hmm. and he's sliding, you know, he's using his rope and he's sliding mm-hmm. down. I mean, that, that, Oh, that's little piece. Too. Right. And the, don't forget that was part of the game too, which was also amazing to watch. Yeah. A totally different. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Brent, I, 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 October, the Nathan Drake collection comes out and I want it. I want it on my PS4. I, I, I want I some want Nathan to. Drake up in me. And, and it will be the one thing that can maybe hold me over. Until March, uh, whenever we get this game. That's exactly right. All right, Brent, let's move on before we just kind of have to stop recording. Okay. Because the two of those things together were so well, amazing. We're fighting the weather here. Like, the thunder here is getting worse and worse and worse. So we got to do this fast. Or we we're actually recording this in the perfect storm on the ship with George Clooney. That's exactly. Well, I, you're with George Clooney. I'm with fucking Marky Mark. Uh, I'm over so on the cool side of the ship. I don't know what you're doing. Next up on uh, next up on the docket, Brent, we have just a little video that popped up uh, yes. on IGN uh, where uh, Seamus Blackley, creator of the Xbox, uh, talks about the origin of the Xbox's green branding. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 one of those stories that like you hear this kind of thing all the time. Like there's some just bit of circumstance or happenstance and. Something iconic comes out of it, and in this case, the designer who was working on the original Xbox design, like everybody, I guess, it like pilfered all the good illustrating pencil or uh, uh, pins out of the uh, out of the case. Presumably, this is like a big pack of Prismacolors or something, and the only one that's left is like this this sick looking green that nobody nobody wants, and so it hasn't been stolen. So that's like the only thing he's got to work with, and so that's how Xbox Green came about. And now, of course, it's their freaking trademark, you know. And it's, right, it's, it's iconic just, at this point. It's just one of those. It's just one of those neat things, you know. Like I, I don't know, like. It reminds me of some like movie story or something where Well the classic one is the classic one is Harrison Ford showing up on the Raiders of the Lost Ark set six. Dysentery. Right. Right. That's, so that's they, exactly so this right. whole scene where he's supposed to have the fight with the guy with the machete. The, the big scimitar. He didn't feel well, so so he just pulls out his gun and shoots him. And it's iconic, iconic scene. The gra- one of the greatest moments in film history, just all because no. Just not doing it today. All right, moving on. Um, why the fuck are we talking about Call of Duty Black Ops 3 Shadow of Evil Zombies reveal trailer, Lauren? Why are we talking about it? 
Uh, did you watch the trailer, Brent? I did. It was it was unlike anything I'd ever seen, except for Left 4 Dead. Well, it's just I I I I felt like I had to put this on here. So one of our listeners posted it, and it would it just blew me away in terms of being surprised. Like it yeah. was so. Not what I expected to see. It's so incongruent when you watch this trailer, which is a period piece set in, I don't know, the 40s or something like that. And it involves four people fighting off hordes of zombies. They've each got their own baggage they're kind of bringing into the situation with them. There's this whole theme about the things that they've done in the past, catching up with them through some sort of righteous act of supernatural justice. And then the fucking zombie hordes come in, the machine guns come out, you hear fucking Ron Perlman talking, and you, and your pants come off, and then you get to the end of this trailer, and it shows like the, you know, like the, like the soldier crouched in the shadows, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, and you're like, these two things seem wildly That's right. different from each other. I mean, it was, like, I dug the trailer, I really did, I thought it was cool, and I was like, oh, this is like a neat take on the Left 4 Dead four versus the world you know sort of a gameplay model it looked great it just it just is wildly incongruent with black ops 3 but hey i mean if if it's going to be fun i guess that uh there's nothing wrong with that yeah no i just thought it was really interesting it was not what i was expecting to see i don't think i think with the 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 temperature of the listeners on the website was that it's not enough to compel you to buy a game that you weren't necessarily otherwise going to buy but i do think it's interesting and i'm happy to see them breaking out of the mold a little bit and doing something a little bit different and more creative and so i'd be curious to see more footage on that just thought it was cool just thought people should check it out it is cool they should definitely check it out but um there's there's a part of me that and maybe i'm just being cynical because it's cod but there's a part of me that's like why does this game need to have something to do with call of duty I, i mean like it, it feels like this was an entirely different game that they were just like, you know what? You know what would make that game sell a lot better? If the title were Call of Duty. Like, like, it, <laughs> right. it makes me feel a little bit like that. Uh, you remember that, that Forza Horizons racer that had uh-huh. nothing to fucking do with Forza? That they were just like, ah, slap the Forza name on that game. We'll sell, uh, we'll sell a bunch more copies. It feels like that to me. Like, it feels like this, because, I mean, this game's got nothing to fucking do with Call of Duty outside of the fact that it involves zombies, and Call of Duty has involved zombies in the past. But, I mean, it is a big departure, but good for them. Speaking of departures, and not of the good kind, uh, as you are aware, probably at this point, Nintendo President Satoru Iwata has passed away at age 55. Uh, due to what we what we're hearing right now was a a blockage in his bile duct, very unexpected. He had been sick. He had missed the last two E3s, as a matter of fact, on account of health problems. But uh, he passed away unexpectedly over the weekend. And I mean, okay, you know, so just on you know the fact a human being has has uh, has died, and that in and of itself is a uh, is a is a very sad thing, certainly for the people who knew him as friends and family and so forth. But for those of us in the game industry, it really is kind of interesting to to look at his time at Nintendo and to see that you know he had presided over the, you know the era of the DS and the Wii, and I mean that that whole that whole thing about you know it prints money, <laughs> you know with the DS and everything that was a wada. Uh, I mean this guy. This guy was uh, running Nintendo during one of it, the most remarkable chapters in that company's history, and uh, his his death is certainly going to um, it's gonna it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of ripples in the pond coming out from this, and I'm very I'm very curious how this is going to affect Nintendo and what they're going to do moving forward. But uh, we just want to uh, we want to mark the passing of uh, one of the 
One of the most significant figures in the video game industry, certainly. Indeed. Rest in peace. All right, we have headed into the clubhouse. And with our poll of the week, Brent Adams. Yes, sir. I'm here with the poll of the week. Um, The question, which, of course goes back to our previous discussion about the enormous problems that uh, Batman Arkham Knight saw on uh, the PC, uh, which still haven't been resolved. I was really hoping to come back from vacation and find out they'd fixed it. Instead, I found out that they'd uh, delayed the DLC as a result of the ongoing problems. Uh, the question we asked you guys is, which measure would most effectively prevent another Arkham Knight PC fail? You had four options. At nine, in fourth place with 9%, you said harsh language and animated GIFs. Um, which I'm surprised that went so low because I, harsh language and animated GIFs are basically what the internet is. Uh, in third place with 27%, excuse me, in third place with 22% of the vote, you said Valve taking direct action to ensure content on Steam isn't broken. Second place with 27% went to Steam's refund policy will curb this in future releases, but the number one answer with 42% of the vote was PC gamers changing their pre-order habits, and it feels like a lot of us are, are of that mindset right now. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for voting in that poll and for commenting on this and lending your thoughts and ideas to that discussion. We, we always appreciate reading all of the things that you guys have to say. Thank you again for weighing in on this one. Yeah, I thought it was a great conversation, Brent. There were quite a few uh, more people in that discussion uh, that came out and, and posted comments about wondering why people were so, ourselves included, yeah. were so against pre-ordering. Um, and, and it was interesting. That's it was great. a very interesting Great opportunity to talk about why we, why we are not in favor of pre-ordering now. So I'm delighted to hear that. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting discussion. So uh, with it... Ready to have <laughs> another one? But yes, right. This one is not all about pre-ordering, however. But it is about Arkham Knight. <laughs> it's not just about Kinda. Arkham Knight, though. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want people to be like, "Oh God, really? More Arkham Knight?" So there was an interesting article written by Phil Owen over on Kotaku yeah. uh, a couple a couple of weeks ago at this point on July third, uh, and the title of it is "Some Games Should Have Fewer Features." And so this wasn't about the pre-ordering piece of Batman. This wasn't about the fact that it didn't work on PC. But he was uh, he did sort of use Batman as as the springboard for the conversation because he felt like there was too much stuff, essentially, Mm -hmm. uh, or or at least a place for a conversation about too much stuff in in Batman Arkham Knight. Um, uh, And he wanted to talk about it in the context of uh, some of the open world games that we have been playing, like Dying Light, for example, Dragon Age Inquisition, The Witcher 3. Uh, certainly the Assassin's Creed games. Uh, he's got a great, great image in, in his article of an Assassin's Creed game. And you look at it and it, it's the map is just absolutely peppered with side quests, collectibles, uh, main quests. It's, it's really, really incredible. Um, and he ta- then he talks about Mafia 2. Um, a sparse how Mafia game t- by comparison. A sparse game by comparison. An open world game in which the game wasn't about the open world. Yeah. It wasn't about necessarily just going around and finding all the side quests you can. And, of course, he talks about, you know, the Batman Arkham series is a great platform from which to begin this discussion because Arkham Knight uh, was, uh, well, I wouldn't call it a corridor shooter. It was so much less open uh, than than was Arkham City. 
which is you know one whatever could, the size. Could, could you could you say that that one more time? Arkham Knight is is more. I'm sorry, Arkham Knight. Arkham Asylum is what okay, I meant. Sorry, gotcha, Brent. gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arkham Asylum uh, is the game, the first game in the series, which I wouldn't refer to as a corridor shooter by any uh, stretch of the imagination. But it was a much more linear experience. The world was not nearly as open as was Arkham City. Yeah. Uh, and then Ar- in Arkham Knight, of course, they expanded uh, on uh, by several times the size of uh, Arkham City in Arkham Knight. So uh, it's an interesting series to look at. But I do think it's an interesting conversation, Brent, because it has gotten to the point where, uh, uh, and I think that Assassin's Creed map is maybe one of the most extreme examples, but you play these games and you look at the maps and there are so many things to do. Uh, and we've talked about this with Arkham City, about how I really had to focus to get through it. And I, um, when I finished Arkham Knight, the story, and I had to try very, very hard. I mean, Bat- Arkham Knight uh, was really trying to get me to do other stuff. Um, out, like literally Alfred was reminding you throughout the game maybe now is a great time to go check on those bank robbers Batman I mean he was literally saying shit like right. that to you between story missions um, and uh, I think it's an interesting topic I think that there's definitely uh, some examples and honestly I think Arkham Knight might be that example I'm not sure there are uh, examples of just there's is there just too much shit is it pulling away from the story because fundamentally it changes how you experience the narrative uh, that's true. And, but then on the other hand, there's also the argument that you're doing it wrong. And <laughs> I, Fair enough. I, I don't want to just sound flippant and dismissive, but I have to say that as somebody who really, really enjoys open world games, part of the, the thing that I like about open world games is the, the possibility for the unexpected to happen. Um, it's very rare that in a game like a uh, like a corridor shooter, like a Call of Duty or a Battlefield, I'm talking about the single-player campaigns for those games now, it's very, very rare that you'll be involved in a mission that involves sneaking up to a base and then assaulting the base and accomplishing an objective and then getting away, as an example. And it's very, very rare that in the course of doing that action, anything truly unexpected happens. 99% of the time, you're going to sneak up to the base, assault the base, complete the objective, and escape. Open world games allow for this possibility of really unexpected things to occur. And I think that looking at the, the fact that there are surprises in the world, the fact that there are side quests and things that don't have anything to do with the main story, but can be incredibly interesting on their own. Uh, you know, see Skyrim, for example... I, I don't see that as being a negative thing. Now, I'm not going to disagree with the fact that it can be overwhelming and that it can be difficult to to navigate through that, depending on how much time you have to dedicate to uh, to the game in question. Certainly, a game like The Witcher 3 is a challenge for me, and I really have to be judicious about the things I do because I do have so little time. Uh, but uh, to me... Having replay value by, okay, I finished the main story to Shadow of Mordor, but 90% of the side quests I haven't touched. And so I can pop that game back into my PS4 one of these days, and there's a whole ton of content from a game that I like that I can now go and experience that doesn't rely upon the chronology of the main story. So I, I, I don't think that those qualities are necessarily a bad thing. No, I don't. I don't necessarily think they are either, and I don't know that he's suggesting 
um, that that open world game shouldn't be open world, and that 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 a linear uh, more experience is, is necess- inherently a more positive experience. Yeah. But that maybe things are getting a little out of hand with the open worldness. Well, sure, I mean, true um, to, to everything, there's a threshold, and no doubt. I'll give you some examples. You know, I think Brent, as you're talking, I'm thinking about a different experiences with these games. And I really, many many years ago, I didn't. I, I much preferred a, a linear shooter because I felt like it was able to. Uh, pull me into the narrative uh, in, in more completely than open world games tended to do. Um, I, I think there's a difference between the quality. So when I, as you're talking, I'm thinking like things like uh, uh, The Witcher Three is, is one of the most brilliant examples I've ever seen of a balance uh, in an open world game. Now, some of the, the titles that come to mind for me that that sort of rise to the top in balancing the open world nature of the game with the story of the game. Uh, are games like Skyrim, Red, uh, GTA yeah. Five, Red Dead, uh, Red Dead Redemption, yeah. The Witcher Three? I think they and The Witcher Three may be at the top of that list in how it um, it pulls you. As you said, surprises happen. So there's a whole. I, I don't know if have you done the Baron. Have you encountered the Baron? Yeah, not yet. The, so there's, there's that's one example of a quest that I I didn't even realize it was a side quest till I was two thirds of the way through it. I actually thought it was part of the story, uh, and it took me a while to realize that it was optional. And maybe it was part of the story to begin with, and it was optional if I continued it. I'm not even sure. Um, the whole thing was hours long over time. I mean, I went, I didn't play it straight through. I did other things and came back, and depending on where I was geographically. But they do such an amazing job of seamlessly blending a lot of the side missions into the story missions. Uh, in with the story missions that they feel like part of the story and they're hours long and they feel like they're adding to the story. And I think it's really incredible. And then there are games uh, like perhaps Assassin's Creed, I think is a good example. Uh, And I think the Batman, I think Batman game is a great example as well. Like they were really pushing me to do these side quests and I, it does feel like it's too much. It feels like they were trying to get more content in there. Uh, rather than build out the world necessarily. Um, And and it didn't feel as organic to me. Now, maybe I I, I don't, I mean, there's, there's other issues with that game uh, that I'm going to talk about, you know, even just the technical issues that made the experience of playing it different. Uh, But I think how you handle those other missions that you have in your world, whether it's collectibles or other missions is very important. And some of the most deft examples show you, where that balance is, but there are a lot of examples of just putting shit in there for the sake of putting shit in there. Uh, I, I, I won't argue that because certainly that's true. Um, I think that there's a couple of interesting points here. One footnote I just want to make is sort of the impetus for this discussion or, or excuse me, for, for the article, which is in turn the impetus for this discussion. But one of the motivators of the article was somebody suggesting that uh, Rocksteady needs to adapt the Nemesis system from Shadow of Mordor and put yes. it in a Batman game, which I made the exact same. Uh, I made the exact same suggestion myself after finishing Shadow of Mordor. It yep. seems an obvious thing, and, and the the author of the article is kind of arguing that w- like, like that would have been a terrible idea for Arkham Knight because there's too many things going on there, and that's probably true. A game that was going to do that would need to kind of be built around that idea. Like, it would need to be a game about uh, Batman working the the criminal underworld, manipulating it to his advantage in order to accomplish something. Like, that would kind of be the central thing of the game. It, it, it wouldn't be right to just tack it on, and which I think speaks to, you know, what you're saying. 
and nobody's really arguing that. I think there's two there's two examples or I think there's two points that are kind of interesting to consider here. Number one, I wonder if there is a failure of storytelling that might be a contributing factor here. And the reason I think that, which is the second point, is the way that Rockstar did the Grand Theft Auto series, not so much in the modern era, but certainly like on the PlayStation 2, uh, Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, San Andreas, especially San Andreas, which was the first time you had multiple cities in one game, this large state to explore a lot of rural country, all that kind of thing. And it would be very, very easy to get lost in all that. And, you know, the, 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 the traditional model of GTA was you'd have access to one part of the map and through some, through some circumstance, the bridges would be down and you wouldn't be able to get to the, the rest of the city or whatever. And then after you'd explored that area for a little while, then you get access to the next area. And then, you could tool around there and then get access to the next area. And it was frustrating and see, and kind of unrealistic, but it did have the gameplay benefit of not letting you get overwhelmed. It gave you a small piece of the pie to concentrate on and then gradually got bigger and bigger and bigger so that you felt comfortable as you moved into that, that larger world. And so I think that there's kind of a pacing aspect to that that might be worth considering. But secondly... I wonder about the story thing. I mean, the story in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, as an example, is not a compressed time story that takes place in a single night or something like that. You know, it goes on for months. And so there's not a sense of urgency on the player's part to rush through and we got to get this main storyline done because, you know, the people of Gotham are depending on you or whatever. Uh, it's designed for you to to do some things and there are natural story breaks where you kind of take a breather and like, you know, I'm going to go do some side quests. Now they, they don't hold your hand. They don't force you. They don't push or pull you. It just naturally occurs because of the way they've paced the story and the missions and, and the geographical location where you're doing story missions and where side quests might be available. So I, I have to say that for me, I think, I think that it is probably a failure of game design and storytelling that contributes to these just throw more shit in kinds of experiences. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with everything you're saying, Brent. I, I think that um, I, I think that you know we've talked about. I, I just uh, I use this word a lot, and I think to me is fundamentally if like the key tenant of making a quality video game, and that's pacing. Yeah. And figuring out the pacing in an open world game is is an extremely difficult puzzle for which to solve. I'm sure. And uh, but I think it's key. It's figuring out how and when it makes sense for the side quest to dovetail into or out of the story uh, and how far into or out of the story they take you is probably a key component to figuring out how to make it flow in an open world, but still trying to leave you with those opportunities for things just happening, yep. uh, like police cars ending up on the top of a 35 story building in Los Angeles. Or, right. Or your wife yeah. walking in on you with your pants around your ankles, watching the uncharted four E three demo. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, all right. With that, we will ask you guys to uh, sound off on what you think about uh, this topic, our open world games, getting too much content. Are people shoving too much into open world games to make them still compelling? Please let us know what you think on the website. Uh, as always, this is a terrible outro.
Welcome back, guys. We're going to hit the road, put the throttle down, and talk about some of the games we've been playing this week. I go first to Lauren Baumgarten to hear about The Witcher 3. Uh, yes, Brent, thank you for sending it to me. It is a great game. Back to you. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, I... Uh, I can't wait to play more Witcher 3 now that I'm back from vacation and have access to my PC again. That was uh, not something I could play on the road. Something I did play on the road, as you can well imagine, is Fallout Shelter on the iPad, which every Every great. week, dude, every week you talk about this, I go look it up. Fallout, I, I Google it. Fallout Shelter Android. Nothing. I got nothing. Well, uh, au contraire, mon frere, because I have it on good authority that Bethesda is looking at the month of August... Yeah, I've heard to that too. To release Fallout Shelter on Android, and fingers crossed that they do, because I'll enjoy talking with you about this game and finding out if it's that could be the, the mobile game that finally sells Lauren Baumgarten on mobile gaming. They just put out the first yeah, update yeah. to the <sighs> iOS game. They've added some features. There's now a, 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 the ability to take, very easily take screenshots in-game, and they encourage people to... to uh, share those and some of the funny things that do happen in the vault from time to time. They also did uh, some balancing tweaks and things like that. Uh, the the game is awesome. And it, it was especially cool playing it on the road because I was so busy just visiting with my family and uh, just all of us enjoying our time with, uh, with Z that I only maybe played the game a couple times a day. Like maybe when I woke up, I'd do a little something with it. And then before I'd go to bed, I'd do a little something with it. And that's the thing. It's the kind of game that you can just play twice a day and get something out of. Or it's the kind of game that you can play throughout the day. You know, just like like go grab the iPad, do some things for a few minutes, put it down, come back 20 minutes later, do a little bit more. It will sustain either of those kinds of levels of gameplay. And that's really cool. But uh, anyway, I hope that uh, they're right about the August release for the Android version, and then you can let me know what you think. I look forward to doing that. God damn it. All right. So do you, I know you finished Arkham Knight, and I would appreciate no spoilers because I haven't even started it yet. But um, you want to talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah. So I, I, I won't. Uh, I will keep the spoiler free, of course. Uh, I did finish the story of the game. I really pretty much for the most part, like just pushed through the story and, and avoided uh, the side quests for the most part. Are you part. planning so, to go and do the side quests at some, at some point, like now or at some later point? I, I'm not 100% sure, Brent, and I'll tell you why. Uh, so there's a couple things I would say to that. Number one is I, I honestly felt like I had to push myself to keep to play through this game oh really um yeah and and, and i do think uh, i do think it's a sad reality uh is that it's it's uh has not an insignificant amount to do with the performance on the pc um it's not the only thing but it, it is a thing and i think it's meaningful um it, it definitely the further you got into the game the more it reared its head the more the large you can imagine the larger the fights become um the the more I was using the vehicle, and those are the places where things suffer. The boss battles, you know, I mean, these are the things where little glitches really can piss you off when you aren't able to get past a piece of a boss because uh, the performance is glitching. So um, I really, by the time it all was said and done, there were moments, there were definite moments in the game, and, and I, I really, uh, it, it, there's things about the game that we will talk about, whether it's on a postmortem, uh, if you finish the game, uh, or maybe at a later show after you've given people more time. Uh, there are definitely awesome moments in the game, but overall I felt like I had to sort of uh, um, trudge my way through the game. I, I felt like the pacing uh, was not well done in the game. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, 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 the 
way that they meet out the gadgets and and that's and the story uh the 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 pacing the the there's there was a um a point in the game where it went from you know where i went from i i was in my batmobile slash tank mobile or whatever uh and was able to defeat the the enemies in battles with that like with relatively no issue and then suddenly um I, I was having to replay a battle 10, 15, 20 times. Because of, uh, because of difficulty or glitches, just to be clear? No, because of difficulty. Okay, okay gotcha. Like I, like I, and maybe some of it was glitches, but uh, I feel like that was a difficulty spike. That was a, a disproportionate difficulty spike that made no sense all of a sudden. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I, it, but it's hard for me to separate the two, Brent, honestly. Like, it's hard for me to be sure... If this game had played like butter, because everybody that talks about it on the PS4 talks about how freaking gorgeous it is yeah. and how unbelievable it is that it's so good looking and it plays so well. Yeah. And so if the game looked amazing to me and it played like butter, I don't know. Maybe I w- wouldn't have felt so. It would have felt differently. I have no way of knowing. And that's the sad thing. And I never will. And so it's left a taste in my mouth that at this point, I don't like I haven't played a, I haven't played a game in a week because I didn't even want to pick up my my uh, like my controller basically <laughs> uh, after I because it this was game such ruined work for you, play. son. Yeah, it was so. I and I just saw today that that uh, apparently now Warner Brothers is saying that they'll be releasing Batman on PC in the fall. <laughs> so we're talking about five months or whatever. And and they're, uh, I, mean, I got to be honest, right around like, the corner. Their their constellation. People are saying, you know, at the end of the article, the author wrote like, you know, at least they're doing the right thing. And and, and I got to say, like. The game is not going to be in a playable state. The right thing would have been to have a game come out on PC, right, fucking but, worked on PC. Right, but in, in, in short of that, yeah. um, you know, and they said they're reevaluating all of their quality assurance processes, and I think that's all great, yeah. but I want to know at what point we're going to hear some financial remuneration. Like, right. I want to hear, we should probably refund you 30 of your $60, or... Um, because we gave you a half-finished game. And so for those of you that, you know, or there's a lot of you here's, that want... Here's $30 of free DLC on us. Right, which I, I think they might do at some point, but I'm shocked they haven't come out and just said, we're giving all of the DLC for free to anybody who bought the PC game mm. before we pulled it from the store. Yeah. Season Pass is yours for free. Or whatever, like... Yeah. That, that, and my guess is you, you might hear something like that, but I just, uh, you know, I, it's, I'm surprised we haven't heard it yet. So, question... Yeah. Was it a mistake to play it before they fixed it? I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not somebody who can just let the game sit there and not play yeah. it. You know what I mean? I'm not, that's just not who I am. It was, it was playable enough for me that I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Brandon. I don't know if it got worse at 75%, but at that point I was 75% into the game, yeah. you know, and I do expect I will go back. I love the universe so much. That I do expect that uh, once they re-release it with the proper patching, um, that I will go back and just play the rest of it and see if things change. I mean, I, I remember when I first played Arkham City, uh, I, I didn't finish the game and, and I had to go back and play it a second time. And so, same here. You know, I, my guess is I will I will play it again in in a few months when they re-release it. But my walking away from it right now, my experience was not a positive one. You know, this is the this is the whole reason that I elected to just not not touch it. I I, I did not want this to happen. And I thought I think it's smart. I wanted to evaluate the game based on the game's own merits and not the, the technical foibles. And while I'm 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 sad to hear you kind of talk about it the way that you are and, and that you didn't have a really uh, positive experience with it. 
Um, I, I'm glad that I was smarter than you. Is basically, yeah, no, is basically I think, what I'm I, saying. <laughs> I think it's smart, Brent, and I think there is a new game plus aspect to this game. Yeah. I believe, um, and there's another sort of thing that might make it interesting to to continue on playing it and to try again or whatever. So, I think there's going to be, uh, I think there's going to be compelling reasons to play it. I, I did love the stuff that they added to the gameplay, the mechanics, like mechanically, the fighting felt great. Mm-hmm. The environmental takedowns they added felt great. Yeah. Uh, being able to switch between people uh, when you're fighting felt great. I wish there was more of it. Um, then maybe there isn't a side quest. I, I'm not 100% sure, but that felt great. And I'm sure that will come into play more. And I'm hoping that they realize how much fun it is to play as other characters in the DLC. As the DLC comes out, we'll have more and more opportunity to play other characters. And so I definitely see myself returning to it. But it was just it was a weird experience. It's a... It's a you know, it's a great IP, but it wasn't functioning really well. And I did feel like they were shoving the side quest down my throat a little too much mm-hmm. uh, with the constant reminders from Alfred. And I did feel, in my opinion, uh, that the the car was overused. That was another thing that I had an issue with. It was it was fun, but the tank battles, you know, when you when you're actually fighting with the car, to me, uh, it, it was too much. And that was, I think, a, a mistake on their part. All right. Well, we'll leave it at there for now, and uh, perhaps one day when I've played the game and finished it, and, and maybe you've revisited it and finished it, we'll, uh, we'll evaluate it again and kind of see how we feel about, about what, what was there because of design and what was there because of problems, and maybe we can kind of sort those things out and really give this game a fair evaluation. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, ride off into the sunset, and talk about just a couple couple last things here at the end. XCOM 2 gameplay. This is something that I've been wanting to get into the show since E3 because it, it happened the week of E3. Uh, I'm linking to an IGN video that's got uh, the lead producer on the game. We're looking at some gameplay. We're hearing about the sensibilities and a lot of the thinking involved in the concept of the game, the advancement of gameplay, how strategy and things like that are going to change now that they have upended the XCOM formula and that you are now uh, both simultaneously the underdog, but also in an interesting way, you're also uh, on the offensive in, in a very different way. You are utilizing stealth now, whereas in the first game, really only the aliens ever utilized stealth. You were the one going into the situation and the fog of war uh, left you not sure what was around the corner. Now in XCOM 2, you are the thing around the corner that they don't know is coming. And they talked about a lot of those aspects and also just what we can expect in terms of the the flavor of difficulty and watching this watching this this gameplay demo is is really really cool the the, the gameplay demo that I'm talking about specifically is just in the first 12 minutes so you don't need to watch the entire video to kind of get what I'm talking about but I'll give you just a very brief rundown you're like, okay, hey, here's our plucky heroes from XCOM. Oh, man, the enemies are, oh, like, we're the underdogs now. What, what happened to all of our air support? Hey, hey, we're, we're fighting back. Hey, there's some good points. Oh, my God, look at the size of its teeth. That's kind of what this gameplay demo is like. Um, it, like, it was really cool to kind of see, like, that Empire Strikes Back. Like, wow, our, our heroes are really getting their asses kicked, aren't they? 
uh, and that that's cool. Like I, I dig the flavor of this and the fact that they have turned it on its head. I'm really excited about XCOM 2. Go check this out if you are and you haven't already watched it. It's going to be worth your time. I, I still can't believe that I, I never played XCOM 1 really for more than like an hour. I can't either. Uh, I, I love the game. And, you know, maybe... Maybe it's nothing wrong with you. Maybe it's just that that game and you are not meant to uh, to forge a relationship. But boy, XCOM Two was uh, yeah, that was a good ride. Or excuse me, XCOM right. One. Yes. No. I. Uh, all right. So my um, little last parting thought, Brent, is that is PlayStation View actually uh, something I'm very excited about. Yeah, I actually, uh, so I started using it. Uh, unfortunately, where I live, they expanded it uh, at, during E3 or around June 15th. They expanded it to two more cities, San Francisco and Los right. Angeles. Um, they did not expand it to my area, to the Boston area, which is unfortunate. Uh, I wish they would have because uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, but I, but they did announce the nationwide availability of Showtime. I saw that. I read that today. Actually. So uh, we, I actually uh, signed up for it. Cool. And... It's eight ninety five a month if you have a PlayStation ten ninety five a month without PlayStation Plus. This is in the US. Uh, eight ninety five a month if you do have PlayStation Plus. You get a free thirty day trial of Showtime, which is enough time to watch the first two seasons of Penny Dreadful if you haven't. <laughs> which is really what you want to uh, be doing. And if you can squeeze in some Ray Donovan, do that too. Yeah, is, is Ray Donovan supposed to be yeah, good? Yeah, man, with uh, Liev Schreiber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I got that too. But uh, I got to say, I'm very pleased with the with the service. The quality is excellent of the picture for eight ninety five a month. I, I have a feeling we'll be keeping it at least for a little while. Uh, we'll see how the prices shake out. But the service itself is great. It's complete, like essentially DVR service. You can watch live. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've been very impressed with it. There's certainly some UI things that they could work out uh, in general. Uh, but but the but overall the UI UI is very, very good, and uh, I just thought I'd give it a shout-out. I'm curious to hear if others have tried it or if we have people living in the four or so cities, four or five cities, in which the full uh, packets are live. Uh, so I'm curious to know if people are, are actually subscribed to the full uh, experience of PlayStation View. I want to hear what people think, but so far, it's really interesting. I'm very, very excited about the idea of a la carte channels and and uh, what options are going to be opened up to us not through cable providers. Yeah, I I'm very excited about it because I do th- I, I think that it I think it means the end of us being locked into uh, the cable television system as we've known it in the U.S. And it, the the thing about it is, I mean, you know, for some people, the cable television system as it exists is great. Uh, you know, being able to bundle all these channels and just get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of channels of content. Uh, you know, there, there's some people that works out great, but it's it's been awful that that was the only option that existed for so long. And uh, I, I'm really happy to see that mold finally being broken and uh, and see the, the possibilities that are going to come out of this. Uh, I was reading something that Comcast is, is offering some sort of some sort of a, a similar kind of package that is a small fee on top of what you might be paying for just broadband service with them, just internet service. And they'll, you pay a little bit extra and they're going to give you this sort of streaming slash cloud DVR package. That's going to give you access to content. Uh, of course, you know, there's these constant rumors about Apple uh, and the Apple TV rolling out a similar low cost monthly subscription. That's going to give you just like the prime content, that uh, that most people end up watching on their cable plans. It, it, like there's, there's some exciting stuff going on in that arena right now. And PlayStation View is one I've I've definitely had my eye on. So I join you in this into the sunset battle cry. 
Excellent. <laughs> All right. And with that, guys, I think we're going to wrap it up, call it a show for this week. As always, we want to hear what you think about the topics we talked about, whether it's PlayStation View, XCOM 2, Batman Arkham Knight, Fallout Shelter, The Witcher 3, the topic we discussed while we were hanging out in the clubhouse, whether or not open world games should have maybe fewer features, and then the topics we discussed up in the garage, of course, the very sad passing of Nintendo President Satoru Iwata, uh, the Call of Duty Black Ops 3, Shadow of Evil Zombies trailer, uh, Xbox, and the revelation of how green became their signature color, the Uncharted 4 gameplay from E3, and the 40-minute video of Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. We want to hear what you guys think about those topics and anything related to gaming. As always, he is Brent Adams. I remain Lauren Baumgarten. And remember, you don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing. 